Hello everyone and welcome back to the Chelsea Overseas Podcast. Today we will recap Canada's two massive wins over Honduras and the USA and preview their final game of this international window against El Salvador. So let's get right into it and talk about Canada versus Honduras. Obviously it was a win for Canada. What was the significance of this win both in the table and overcoming previous losses in Central America? I know there was a record of Honduras taking away um, two of our World Cup qualifiers runs back in, what was it, 2012, 2016, something like that. So I get, what was the significance of this win, Adam? Well, I think I'm happy you mentioned 2012 and 2016 because, you know, I'm young, but I I remember that the first game I actually watched in Canadian soccer was the 8-1 defeat at San Pedro Sula. Uh, and then I, you know, four years later, I remember watching in 2016 when Canada were defeated 2-1 and Honduras made that comeback. So as much as I'm a younger fan, I've I've watched Canadian soccer closely for 10 years. And those two defeats were, were some of kind of, I guess, the toughest results just as a sports fan, really. Um, those are things that you, you don't forget. Uh, you wish you could forget them. So this to this was one of the game, I think, for all of us, whether you've been following since 2012, whether you've been following since the 1960s, right? I think for all of us, this game in Honduras was one of those games where we all circled on the calendar as kind of a must win. And with the way things have gone with Honduras being winless, this was a real opportunity for Canada. And they took it. So... This was very significant. I don't honestly, I don't think it was like for the players. I, a lot of these players don't carry those scars other than like Atiba Hutchinson, right? So, but I think for the fans in that respect, with everything that's happened at San Pedro Sula, I think it meant a lot and it definitely meant a lot to me. Absolutely. I, I, we've had history where they've thrown. Adam was telling me the other day where they've thrown bags of urine at us. They they play a very dirty dirty game of football, both inside of the pitch and outside. Really, it's it's more than just a game there. And to win in their home turf field, or their home field, sorry, was a wonderful result. Especially since we also tied them back here in Canada. So, to come back and get that win that we thought we should have had in the in the first game here in Canada was a wonderful result for us. It also gave us three points ahead and we stayed top of the table after this game. Um, in terms of the game, Adam, though, what do you think worked tactically? What did Canada do well? Well, I think in terms of what, what worked for Canada was we talked a lot about Honduras in transition. And if you remember... We had said about Honduras that they're really direct. They could they could really hurt you on the counterattack, at least Kyoto. But when you're in your shape, they find it hard to break you down. And they're not the most creative of teams. Hence why Canada sitting in their shape made it extremely difficult for Honduras. And and if you look at the game, I mean, you know, there were there were a good ten minutes where Honduras forced Boyan into a couple saves. But for most of the game, you really felt Canada was comfortable. 
after they got that early goal in terms of just protecting the lead they had because Honduras looked the team really short of ideas. So they played in a pretty much a 3-5-2 um, all game against Honduras with Hoylet kind of tucking in into midfield. And that really worked because it just kind of nullified Kyoto, Elise. And again, it's a team that didn't really have much creativity. And what Canada did so well was, was just keeping that shape making it difficult for Honduras to to penetrate, not giving them space in behind and hitting them on the counterattack. And, and that worked on the counterattack twice. Yep, I fully agree. I, I, the point you made it with Hoylet especially, I think he did a wonderful job dropping back into midfield. It was a great, it was a great position for him. And of course, Canada, as always, they played a very physical game, I saw. And it's just, I, I, I love seeing this very physical, this not backing down, um, not afraid to make those tackles. It, it's a young team, but we bring lots of talent. And then we obviously, w with what you said, Boyan had a, a few wonderful saves as well. And him and Hutchinson bring the expertise to the squad. It's just, it, it's it's a beautiful team. Yeah, what's, what's incredible is that this is really, there's kind of this next, up, next man up mentality with this Canadian team, right? Where we even saw, I'd highlighted Sam Piet before this window as being someone who could have a good window. And he started this game so well, but you know, he went down sadly with an injury. Liam Frazier stepped up and was brilliant. We all know how good that pass was to Jonathan David, right? And even without Stefan Estacchio, right? Hutchinson was arguably the man of the match. Without Davies, you had Buchanan, you had David stepping up right? Who you had talked about. So like it, it's very, and, and it's incredible this, the balance that this team has. Cause if you actually look at this team on paper, it's actually a little bit unbalanced when you have yeah. people like, Oh, I fully agree with that. That's why it's just watching them actually play is so, so unreal. Yeah. And that that's John Herdman for you, right? Because he's getting the absolute maximum out of, out of his squad. Yeah, out of his squad and, and players who maybe aren't playing in the Champions League, but he's getting every ounce of potential uh, out of them. And everyone said this team couldn't win in... Well, everyone said that this would be the biggest test for this team, winning in Central America. Well, first shot at it in, the, in these qualifiers, and they did it. And in terms of the table, we know how important this was too because not only was it three points that bring us closer right to Qatar and keeps us top of the table the Costa Rica result was big Panama losing oh yeah it was wonderful for us since Panama hold the current fourth place spot so Jonathan David's goal let's talk about that what were your thoughts on that that was a beautiful the the, the receiving Fraser made the most wonderful pass what are your thoughts Adam yeah that that was that was very Jonathan David-like. It was. And I, I literally said that too. I said he'll be bringing the expertise of Lille finishing to, to Canada. Um, I do want to ask though, do you think it was better than Davies' goal? That, that's a good question. I think the Davies' goal for me just edges it. Just because he was not supposed to get to that ball. <laughs> he was not supposed to. <laughs> All right. Um, but 
This Jonathan David goal is, in my opinion, the, the second best goal we've scored by a good amount. And uh, th- this this is why I say it's very Jonathan David-like, is if you watch Jonathan David at Lille, a lot of his goals come from getting in behind and play, and uh, getting one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And he is so good when he's one-on-one. He's so, the, just the game kind of slows down for him in those critical moments. And those three touches were ridiculous. He, when that ball came to him, he had so much work to do. And those first two touches to give him the chance, right, to, to score that goal, and then the third one to put it over the keeper, that, that, was, that was ridiculous. That's a striker that is, you know, arguably top 10 in the world right now. And, uh, yeah, what, what wow. do you think? Top 10 in the world. Yes, no jokes. And what, what do you think? Um, cause I know you've, you've played a lot more soccer than me, actually. So what, what do you think kind of goes through your head in that moment? Like one-on-one with the keeper. From my experience playing as a striker, honestly, it's so much easier to chase after the ball and to get the ball back when defending. And that's why I love it. But when, when it comes down to the one-on-one, it, there is so much pressure on you. Because you realize this isn't just an ordinary, you know, getting the ball back. This is just making the difference of the game. And I feel like me personally, that pressure falls on me. So I can't even imagine what Jonathan David was going through, especially being on Canada and being as high class as he is. But um, yeah, I imagine a lot of pressure. So to be calm and collected like that is a skill on its own. Um, to note the decision-making process is quite hard too because you have to you have to think quick. Firstly, getting into the free space that's first very that's your first important thing to do, which he did. Uh, controlling it, second touch, wonderful, places it perfectly to finish, and the third decision that third decision of how do I finish this goal, that's always the most crucial really, and he made the right choice. He chipped it over the keeper's head, and he started running to celebrate. <laughs> So it, it was it was a very good goal. It does take skill to do that, though. It, it, he makes it look easier than it is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that, that was that is in the Canadian soccer archives up there with the best goals. I'm sure that was ridiculously good. Uh, but yeah, this was this was a huge win. It's just it feels like we're at the point where every three points just feels like you're taking a massive leap to Qatar, and that's kind of the way I felt after this game. So. Yeah, it was a massive win. The boys are already packing their bags. <laughs> They're getting ready for November, which really sucks. I have to say, I, I'm kind of upset that it's in November because, you know what? If it was in the summer, maybe. If dreams are true, maybe I could have gotten a plane ticket. But the fact that it's in November, I mean, we do have school and work and life. I mean, also, realistic, like... One of the commentators mentioned this, and it, it just, it's mind-blowingly true. We constantly, this Canadian national team is constantly breaking records. But at this point, it, it's like it doesn't even matter to them anymore. Because it's just like, this is a new team we're talking about. You can't put old standards on this new team, right? It's like, it's a very, very new team. And it's working so much better than Canada, Canada soccer has done in the past. And we're very thankful for the pioneers of Canada soccer but that have brought it to this point. But you, it's, it's truly unfair to put old standards on this new team. 
because they will break every record there is. Yeah, it's very much they're 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 trying to beat their own records now. That's kind of what this is going to get to a point of as the years go on, right? Fully. But talking about Canada versus USA, how did Canada frustrate the US? How were Canada able to make up for the losses of Davies and Estacio? All right. Well, I think how how Canada frustrated the US is basically how every other team has frustrated the US, which is basically just giving them the ball, sitting back, defending in a low block and hitting them on the counterattack and just saying, hey, the onus is on you, break us down. And if you saw the game against El Salvador for the U.S., um, they struggled against El Salvador despite winning because El Salvador sat back. You know how many games the U.S. have played and they've struggled? Even though, you know, even the home games that they've won, they're... There have been very few performances which American fans have been happy about because they've found it. They Their play in the final third has been atrocious at times in these qualifiers. The crosses uh, from wide areas, some of the finishing, right? Not having that recognizable number nine, right? Which, which is something Canada has and they have two of them. So the... It was it was just more the same from the U.S. and especially away from home, right? It this team away from home, I actually think too they need maybe a little bit more games away from home because they play every Gold Cup at home. They get so much of Concacaf at home, right? That team needs probably more exposure and more experiences away from home because they look a different team away from home, always. This is true. Right, and and that's the problem with the U.S. and and I think John Herdman looked at this game, looked at what has made the U.S. struggle in these in these first nine matches before uh, the game against Canada, defending in a low block. That's what's that's what's given them trouble. Herdman did it. Canada scored a first goal, which gave them some something to protect. They barely gave anything up, and then they hit them on the counter in the in the dying moments again. I agree. That said, um, I think Herdman also not only asked what, what, I mean, a good coach asks both, really. And I think not only was he trying to decipher what, what does USA not typically do when they're away, but I think he was also diving deep into what does USA do, right? Especially against Canada and they play the possession and they've known to do that in the past as well. And I think Herdman played the perfect game against possession of counterattacks, uh, high pressure, and just speed and aggressiveness. And I think I think that was the perfect tactic to play with against USA in this game. Because USA, sure, on paper, they played a more beautiful game of soccer, right? But in the end, that doesn't matter because we were aggressive and we got the goals that mattered, right? I do also want to mention... <laughs> I think you you asked the question of what was our tactic in this, right? Um, and <laughs> as a little joke, I think our tactic was let Vittoria and Miller defend anything that comes and let Johnston, Larea, Adekugbe, and Kay all kick at uh, Pula's six feet. Just, uh, just to give props to Alistair Johnston, who again deals with a Champions League level player, and Christian Pulisic and pretty much nullifies his threat. And yeah, that that kind of really togetherness of Canada. And this is why, like, 
even without Davies and Estacchio, right? Think of, okay, Davies, we we missed, but we had David, we had Laren, we had uh, Buchanan. And Adekugbe played great back uh, the left yes, back. Yes, Adekugbe, yeah, Adekugbe was awesome. But look, okay, we missed Estacchio and Hutchinson didn't even play, right? So Mark Anthony K played and Azorio played out of position deeper. All right, and Canada... Even even with these with those three absences, still had kind of that just togetherness, next man up mentality. Exactly. And the fight and the brotherhood that they talk about to just fight through everything. And what's brilliant about this Canadian team and what I'm finding so incredible is that they just can beat you in different ways. Ask them to sit in a low block and hit you on the counter, they'll do it. Ask them at and a lot of their home games at BMO Field, uh, use a high press, try to dominate possession, they'll do it. If you want to get into a track meet with them and play a very transitional end-to-end game, they can do it too. For real. Exactly. They could. This team could beat you in different ways, and that's the flexibility, that's the adaptability we've talked about, and that's something that, that the U.S. doesn't have because Greg Berhalter and that American team has a lot of limitations right now, and I think it's because of the manager. But... You know, that's for them to debate. <laughs> but I think talking about Canada, I think a lot of that you have to give credit to, and we've, we have in the past countless times, but once again to Herdman, he really knows his players. This is a unified team, right? And that's so important with coaching because you can play their strengths. And that's exactly what Canada continues to show they can do. Did Herdman outcoaching Berhalter decide the match, do you think? Um, I, I think... I well, I think it kind of did. Like I, John Herdman has been the best coach in Concacaf in these first ten games. Thomas Christensen's a honorable mention for Panama, but John Herdman has been outstanding, just incredible in terms of he has a really talented squad. We we know that, but he is getting the absolute maximum, and and honestly, this team. It's young. It could get even better, right? But he's getting the best he can get out of them, right? And that, that as a coach, when you have a team who can beat their opponents in different ways, you're extremely flexible, right? And that you, you have a sort of stability in the team where even with injuries, even with changes due to fitness or whatever, um, it won't really drop the level. Like when you have that sort of stability, that's when you know, you got something special. And and John Herdman has it with this team. And it just kind of, that game against the U.S., I think it reinforced kind of what John Herdman has built compared to what Greg, Berhalt, Greg Berhalter has built. Because what Greg, what Greg Berhalter has built is, again, like I said, a, a team with a lot of limitations, I think. It's a team that's very dependent on a very select few. Yeah. I th- that's what I see. Yeah, I think they're very dependent on kind of the 4-3-3 and... They, they literally, they, I don't think they can change it or else it'll just discombobulate. I, and I think in terms of uh, their attack, there's a lot of, a lot of work to do in those areas because you have a lot of talent, but in terms of maximizing the potential of those players, Greg Berhalter isn't finding the personnel and the shape of the team to get the best out of that attacking unit. And really, the only time they really threaten their opponents is in counterattacking situations. It's not a surprise to me that the U.S.'s best 
game was against Mexico because Mexico will come at you. Mexico will give you space in behind. These teams, the rest won't. Kamal Miller with that one save too. It was him and Vittoria. They they dove right into it. They've had they had miraculous saves too. The the them too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, no, the back line was incredible, and we can't forget to mention Milan Boyan with a great save on Weston McKinney. Basically, the only chance the U.S. had, and uh, he came up big. Milan Boyan. He looks so old. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And and I'll say that about. Uh, Milan Boyan, he's another player that if you look at kind of maybe five, six years ago, there were maybe a few question marks on is he good enough really for Canada? Is he good enough uh, to be in a Canadian team and compete with US, Mexico? It, it, can he be at that level? And now what you're seeing is honestly, just kind of this John Herdman effect on this team and the effect that this team, they're having it on each other because they've all bought into it. And Milan Boyan is is raising his level too. Everyone's raising each other's level, right? So now Milan Boyan is pulling off worldy saves. Yeah. It starts with that self-belief though, really, in anything, not just in soccer, but anything. You, you have the self-belief, you have the belief in your teammates and you trust them. Right, and that's what builds chemistry, and that's what builds a good team, a winning team. You know what? You, you got to give USA some credit, though. Beralter, like, come on, they played. Firstly, they played a great game, but more of a, as a joke. Beralter, it, it was it was never going to be a fair game playing on Sunday, especially since two weeks before the Super Bowl, so the conference finals. Beralter was was never even in this soccer game. He was thinking about KC, especially since it was happening at the same time. <laughs> he wanted to go stream it on his phone and just watch that game. <laughs> yeah, I maybe maybe hey maybe he was more focused on the AFC Championship. Who knows? But um, I think just uh, I guess finish this one off against against the US. I think it's always a there's always an extra percent when you beat US, right? Um, this Canada US rivalry and this this. Canadian and American rivalry in this sport is something that we haven't seen maximize its potential because Canada have really kind of been just on the outskirts and who knows where, right? And now that Canada have come back and their their level has been totally raised and they're kind of they're on that level with the U.S. Now you have a seriously you have a serious rivalry there. So so this win uh, only kind of just reinforces that and is I think this is the beginning of a massive two very like two countries that have their golden generations this is the beginning of of really a rivalry that's going to be special for the next uh decade or two so this is great it's time it's time to rewrite history in terms of this USA Canada rivalry that has always existed yeah so it's always that extra percent to beat the U.S. That was incredible. Uh, but, you know, obviously when you look at the table, that's in the end, that is the most important thing. Um, and yeah, and we, we increased our gap um, over the U.S. to four points, which is that's a six pointer. We talked about it. Right. And uh, we increased 
The gap over Mexico to five points because they drew with Costa Rica. We increased that to nine. Oh, thank you, Costa Rica. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was a perfect result there. And then uh, Panama won, but they were always going to beat Jamaica at home. So we didn't give them a sniff. I, w I was hopeful, though. Jamaica was winning. Yes, they blew another lead. But you, you, I did expect Panama to win that game. So Canada, Canada with those three points, is in an incredible position. And we're, we're going to get to kind of the points totals and stuff. But this is like the, the Canada are so close. We are like we could nearly taste it. it to blow this would be unreal. Yeah, yeah, like we're we're that close, and we there's 12 points left available, and U.S. are behind us by four. Mexico are behind us by five. Panama are behind us by five. For us to come fourth, all three of those teams have to pass us. So we are that close. So what an incredible win over the U.S. Amazing moment. Yeah. And the next game of this international window just happens to luck out for us in the sense that Mexico and Panama play each other as well. Though USA has an easy game against Honduras, we also play El Salvador, so that's not the worst thing in the world. But once again, Mexico does play Panama, which is obviously the best thing that could happen for us. And that said, additionally, Canada, uh, sorry, Mexico and USA still have yet to play each other the second time so one of those teams will have to give in a few extra points or lose some points right and which is great for us okay now let's talk about canada versus el salvador the last game of this international window before we return to chelsea um what are some challenges going into this game do you think how can canada get these three points if canada wins is it fair to say they're going to qatar all right, so what are some challenges? Well, I think um, El Salvador, and I've, I thought this over the, uh, just today thinking about this game, and uh, I think El Salvador are one of the better coach teams in this region, and you may not think that when you look at the table, but I think when you look at the quality of this team, which is probably the lowest of the eight, um, I think Hugo Perez has done a, a, a fairly good job with them. And they... I know Canada pretty much blew them out at BMO Field, but El Salvador have um, threatened their opponents in almost every game they've played, other than really us and Mexico, right? They, they've been fairly good. Like the U.S. had plenty of problems when they went to El Salvador. And I mean, that's the U.S. away from home, but still, right? Even the U.S. at home had had some issues, right? Panama lost in El Salvador. So this this is actually like, I, I think this is a, a well-coached team. And um, I think what you'll see at home for El Salvador is their possession numbers are higher at home. And um, even against the US, they had about 50% of the ball, even against Panama, who are a very possession-based side. So this El Salvadorian team, I think will go for Canada. And I think, Though, like Honduras, they're going to look to be on the front, in the on the front foot. So, I don't think Canada. If you're if you're a Canadian fan, uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't expect Canada to totally like roll over El Salvador. Well, hopefully you are wrong, and we do, but we both don't want to jinx that, of course. <laughs>
Yeah. And and listen, I'm not saying that Canada won't win because Canada are the better team. And in terms of quality, right? In terms of quality, we have more than we than they have. And in terms of the way we've played, right? It's not only quality, but when you look at this team, and I mean, the different ways we're able to beat our opponents like we were talking about and how we got that win in Honduras and the U.S. conceding a lot of possession too, right? Like, we're, we're we're definitely the favorites here and we're set up pretty well to at least get something out of this game. And I think I think you can you can hurt El Salvador too at, at home. I think you, you can hurt them in transition. I, I think um, they don't rotate a lot either because they have a pretty small group of players uh, in terms of their squad. So usually, I think we saw it at BMO Field too, but usually like the third game of each window El Salvador aren't, you know, totally the greatest. So I think um, I think Canada can can hurt them in transition. You get Buchanan going, right? David in behind, Laren. I, I think they could really hurt El Salvador in transition. For those of you saying Buchanan had like, didn't have the best game here in USA, which was okay because we obviously had David and Laren step up. I think Buchanan will be great in El Salvador. Yeah, and... One thing we uh, we questioned playing Laren and David together. Well, guess what? They can play they together. They can and... play together. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Laren leading. I think the kind of the theme we've seen in these two games is Laren leads the line, and David likes to drop deeper and and. I liked how he was pressing too. He was doing a good job. He was playing like a cam almost. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he was kind of dropping into those number 10 pockets and he was helping start those transitions, right? How many times do we see against... Look at the goal Canada scored against Honduras, the first one. That actually comes from Honduras dropping... Or sorry, David dropping deep. And I think it was Buchanan who plays a 1-2 with him and then Buchanan goes down the right, squares his defender one-on-one, beats him, ball into the box, own goal, right? But it comes from David dropping deep. We saw it a lot against Honduras. We saw it against the US. He is helping start counterattacks also. He is facilitating them at the same time. And he's also he also knows too sometimes where if you look at the goalie scored against Honduras where... If he's in a position where he could, he has someone close to him and he could kind of play a short ball to them and then spin in behind and go the other way, he he has that threat too. So you, I think now you're seeing a real combination between Laren and David. And obviously the first goal against US, that's again, David dropping deep, Laren leading the line. Yep. Laren was very good up top. Very, very good up top. How do you think Canada get, can get these three points against El Salvador? Well, I think it's the transitions. I I think, I think, and it's a really interesting because Canada are one of the, one of the teams who take the short, who, it's the shortest number of passes before scoring. Yeah, shortest number of passes before scoring. That that's Canada's one of the one of the top teams in this round in that respect. So, and I think away from home, that's really your game a lot of the times, when you go to Central America too. So. Yeah, I I think those transition are, transitions are going to be uh are going to be key against El Salvador. And we actually saw it at BMO Field too 
after Canada raced out to that 2-0 lead and they were protecting it, there were multiple opportunities in transition. Right. Well, I think it's time to answer the big question. Uh, I've heard both sides of it. We don't want to get too excited just yet unless we know for sure. If Canada wins, is it fair to say we're going to Qatar? Well, there's this outrageous situation where Canada beat El Salvador, Honduras beat U.S. That's why it's outrageous. Honduras won't beat the U.S. Panama and Mexico, one of them wins. They can't draw, one wins. And then Costa Rica fails to beat Jamaica, so draw or lose. That all has to happen for Canada to qualify Wednesday, mathematically. So it probably won't. But if Canada wins this game, they're at 25 points. They'd be... Panama and Mexico play each other, like you said, so they'd at least be seven points ahead of both teams or eight points ahead of one team, right? Like, they're, they're, it's, it's basically done. If they win this game, it's basically done. Eight points ahead of Panama. Yeah, or Mexico. Oh, that's very true. Right, because one of wow. them would lose. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Or if they draw, we're seven ahead of both. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, wow. But, yeah, to... to It would be very, very comfortable, in other words. And it already is. But I think, I think the third last game will be the real dictator of whether we make it or not. Yeah, well, I think we could do it before that. But that, that, that's definitely like... I, just because these next two games are away from home, maybe you'll see a couple draws or something. Or maybe you'll see one win out of the two. But that that definitely against Jamaica is a must win. And we might get into a situation too where we only need like a point in that Jamaica game to clinch. So I, I could I could see that. Yeah, I could see us finalizing it on that game. But we're, we're that close. Like if, if we beat El Salvador, like there's a chance we could lose all three games next window and, and still make it. So, right. Uh, so it's quite a good chance too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because Panama goes away to Mexico and us, right. And they all play each other. So if, if we beat El Salvador, it's, it's like incredibly, incredibly, incredibly close to done. Yeah. How many points will they need? Yeah. So this is an interesting one because, you know, we're now at that point where everyone starts to do the math in their head. Uh, <laughs> Right, it's like a Premier League title race, right? And um, so, if to put this simply, if Canada gets six points in these next four games of any combination, one win, three draws, two wins, whatever, in any of these four games, losing the last two, winning the first two, any combination, right? If they get six points, it's done. It's confirmed, it's done, it's over. All right, that, that's the most simple way of thinking of it. So technically, if Canada win their next two games, they're in Qatar. Now, in, in terms of, it, there's a, five points would almost surely do it also because let's say if the key for Canada is you want to clinch, and I think this is what John Herdman will be thinking. You want to clinch before you play Panama away from home on the last match day. Yeah, that's true. So in order to do that, 
Canada need five points in their next three games, and it would 100%, no matter what anyone else does, that would 100% do it. Because Panama, Mexico, and U.S., they all play each other in the next three match days, meaning the maximum points that all three teams can get is six. If someone gets nine, that means they beat the other two, right? So that means probably what, like, let's say Mexico beats U.S. and Panama. That means Panama, what, like, that means Panama will only get like six, which meaning U.S. gets three. Maybe they get four, which meaning U.S. also gets four. So five points would do it. Um, and listen, we said 23 before this all started. Right, that with Panama going away to U.S. and Mexico, and with how good our goal differential is, 23 would probably do it. But you want to aim for more. You want to do this before the Panama game. So if you're Canada, I think five points in these next three games that puts it absolutely what everyone else can do, whatever they want. And honestly, I think if we get two, three points, we'll still be fine. But yeah. Yeah, I'll just finish it off by saying I think, I think we're literally that close. Like there's a, there's a chance, like I said, one point could do it, right? But you, you, right? I I think I think if Canada gets three points, like twenty five, it's I think we're good. Yeah, I say just draw all of these games, twenty six. Yeah, that twenty six, right? If you get over twenty five, twenty six will do it. Like I I just think that. We're, we're that close. We're literally that close. And, but if you're Herdman, right. And you, you, and if you're Canada, you're probably assuming the worst, right. You're assuming everyone else to do what doesn't benefit Canada. So five points in the next three or six overall, and it's done. Right. So yeah, we're close. We're definitely very close. Well, Adam, anything else you'd like to add before this El Salvador game? I think we're good. Perfect window so far. Let's finish it with a win. Yeah, this has been a wonderful window. We're very, very happy with the results. And uh, in fact, I'm very inspired to get a Kamal Miller jersey. I told Adam today. Oh, I yeah. I think it's happening sometime in the near future. Um, we will be back next week to recap Ch- Canada's game against El Salvador. And we will be previewing Chelsea's games against Plymouth and the Club World Cup semifinal. Yes. We don't know who our opponent is for that yet. And Plymouth is fourth. Yeah, Plymouth is fourth round of the FA Cup, by the way. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And tune in soon. And peace. All right. Bye, everyone.